Good evening and hello, everybody. Welcome to the Weekly V Brown Bag, the weekly IT video podcast where we bring you experts in the world, wide world of technology to talk to you about their favorite topics. Um, kind of like a adult show and tell for tech geeks who uh, want to learn something new or something like that. Uh, this evening, I am very proud to, very happy to have back um, a previous, uh, somebody that has presented for us previously, Andrew Brown. He is the CEO of ExamPro, and he's also an AWS hero. So we're, we're very fortunate and very happy to have him on here. He is a font of knowledge when it comes to sitting exams, taking exams, passing exams, and, and everything in between. So for the people that are live in the studio audience, you get the opportunity to uh, pose him with Q&A questions. Um, but before we do that, let's get a couple of housekeeping notes done. If you want to um, get in on the conversation, me and Sean will be will be monitoring the Twitter, the V Brown Bag Twitter handle um, at V Brown Bag. So if you at V Brown Bag or hashtag V Brown Bag, both Sean and I will be paying attention there. If you are in the live studio audience, then we can also ask questions either in the chat channel or the Q and A channel. Um, if you want to, and I highly encourage that you do, please follow Andrew Brown on Twitter at Andrew Brown. Very easy and very jealous that you got that name. How'd you get away with that? Were you like the second person to, lo to log into Twitter? It was maybe the third. I, I, I jumped on there the second it became a thing. And of course, somebody immediately had already grabbed Chris Williams. So I was, uh, I was, I was a little bit put out by that. Um, I, I, I think I knew like when it was coming, because like Twitter is a Ruby on, well, it was traditionally a Rails app. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, that was my bag back in the day. And so... Mm. I was just ready to hop on, but I did not get my GitHub handle. So unfortunately, you uh, no, I did not. <laughs> and uh, if you want to follow us, I, I discourage you from following me, but if you want to, I am at Mistwire. I am not at Chris Williams, unfortunately. And Sean, um, I've been talking this entire time. Would you like to say something and introduce yourself? Hi, you can follow me as well right there. Um, but yeah, I don't post a lot of interesting things too often. I'm not good at the Twitters, at the Twitter sphere. Way, way to sell yourself. <laughs> that's right. Every once in a while, I'll throw something that people are like, that's good. But other than that, anyway. Which, which is a travesty because in, in, in all honesty, you are the brains behind the operation. Uh, you, you, are, you are way more interesting from a technical perspective to, to like the, the stuff that we work on. Your stuff is, is way more fun and way more complicated. But uh, yeah, all right. So <laughs> with that, um, so so both Sean and I are are AW. We've we've both sat a number of AWS exams. So we've got a bunch of questions. Uh, we've got a lot of people in the audience who sound like they have a bunch of questions too. So why don't I shut up and let Andrew start? So I'm going to do, uh, go, just go ahead here and share my screen. Uh, if I just get a confirmation, can everybody see my screen? We can see your screen. Okay, great. Hi, everybody. I'm Andrew Brown, and this is my Tech Talk, Everything I Wish I Knew About AWS Certification. And this is, uh, well, version two. So I did this talk last year. Uh, mm -hmm. Very popular. Uh, it was very helpful for people. So I realized that I had to do an updated version of it. So this is what this is. Uh, and so, you know, we have similar content from last year, but... A lot of areas have been expanded. I try to always add something new for you. Uh, and we'll just have a good time here. This is a very open uh, kind of presentation. Anyone who wants to interrupt, ask questions. 
Uh, we're just here to have a good time. How long is this going to take? I don't know because I, I didn't I didn't do a dry run. I'm just having a good time here. And so hopefully you do too. And we leave with some great knowledge. Just to tell you a little bit about me because uh, my life has been changing a bit. But now I, I live in Scriber, Ontario. I used to live in Toronto. Uh, and I'm apparently still running the AWS Toronto User Group, even though I'm nowhere near near it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but right now I'm just in a, a basement that I say is cursed. And I'll explain why in a moment. And I'm in a place where everybody likes to talk about bears. So, uh, you know, that's where I am now, nice and foggy. And so if you ever see my little avatar there, I'm in uh, a cloudy area. It's because I live literally in fog, and that's a, a nice uh, doll that's in my basement. Uh, and so, you know. Now, did, did you, did you find that in there? How, how did, yeah. I mean, I, I saw, I saw the, the, the post, but what was, did she was just there? Like when you showed up, she looks very clean, disturbingly clean. Uh, yeah. Well, there's that. And there's another one. There's like a clown. <laughs> there's, oh, no. there's a few other ones. Um, but it's okay. Cause I do have a dream catcher. Uh, okay. and so it kind of evens things out, but, uh, yeah, it was a bit shocking at first, but you know, you learn to live with the spirits. I've, I've read way too many Stephen King novels to know how this turns out. <laughs> I'm living in a Stephen King book here. But, mm -hmm. uh, so I have a bit of agenda here. I'm not sure how well we're going to follow it, but gives you kind of an idea what we're getting into. And then that way, if you're uh, watching along here, you can uh, get ready to ask some questions or just know if you want to stick all the way to the end or just go into one section. So I have this broken down into two sections, uh, part one and part two. So part one is all about AWS certifications. This is basically focusing on how to pass the exam. So we've got things like a roadmap, uh, cloud roles, the value of certifications, learning resources, study habits and misconceptions. And then on the other side, we have beyond certification. So how do certs play a role in my cloud career? So cloud journey uh, mentor map, uh, public cloud journal, community participation, foundational knowledge, practical demonstrations, rite of passage, your right, cloud identity, and going that extra mile. So let's take a look at all the types of certifications AWS has. And there are 12 AWS certifications. So there's a, a few there. Um, it hasn't really grown as much uh, over the years, like one or two have been added or removed. Um, if you go into other spaces like Azure, they have way too many, and then you have GCP and they have about the same amount. Um, but you know, the idea is that we have these four levels. So I'm just gonna get my pen out here for a moment here. So generally we have the foundational, that's where people start, that's for newcomers and things like that. We get to the associates, which I consider to be three times harder. Then we get to the professional one, which I feel is like Jeopardy level knowledge. So that is really fun if you like a serious challenge. And then we got the specialties and their variation uh, difficulty is going to vary based on what you're going after. Uh, so I, I mean, there used to be like an Alexa one, that one was gone. That was like as easy as the cloud practitioner, but some are really hard here, like the ML or for me in particular, I find advanced networking super hard. I will not touch it. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, it's just not it's just not my jam. Uh, so I usually will send people to Adrian for that, and he doesn't mind uh, uh, being the the person that is really good on that. But right. these are all the certifications. But let's take a deeper look at each one and see if we can kind of wrangle out some stuff. A lot of these, I just there's questions that get asked every single time, and so it's just worth going over those. Um, and if there's anything else we can shake loose, uh, let's see if we can do that. So let's start at the beginning with my favorite certification, the best certification, the AWS Cloud Practitioner. And we say, well, what is this certification? 
while it covers conceptual knowledge that is not generally covered elsewhere. It, like it is there, but there's just stuff that um, I feel that is only in the certification, or at least only in my course, uh, that I feel is very valuable for any kind of foundation. Uh, and if we're saying like, well, what is it doing for me? It's great for improving your communication skills of cloud workloads with key stakeholders, especially if you're trying to convince them to migrate to cloud. And everyone might think, well, everyone's on cloud, but I'm up here in Scriber and nobody knows what it is. And there's huge, huge traditional industries like mining and forestry and uh, the railroad. And they're technically they're very, very smart, but uh, like in their own uh, uh, respect and they're using highly technical stuff, but they're still not leveraging cloud. So there's a lot of opportunity to convince people to uh, see the light, so to speak. Uh, and so starting with the first and most common question I, he I hear is, I heard I should skip the certified cloud, cloud practitioner because it's too easy and it's essentially worthless. Should I skip the certification? Uh, and Chris, would you skip this one? Um, yes, I would, okay. honestly. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, my honest opinion is you can skip the exam if you want, but don't skip the course. Um, mm, yeah. And because the, 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 the certificate, like the exam is really not that hard. Um, but, you know, I, I think that there's this thing where people move on to associates and, uh, you know, they go, well, I just want to focus on that technical stuff, but we'll, we'll come back to like, uh, just about convincing people and things like that, about having that broader landscape there. But I, I think there's good stuff in there. Uh, so it's not worthless for technical adjacent roles. Um, I definitely get asked, uh, and even AWS, like I'm, I'm doing a presentation privately about like, uh, the value of helping customers, uh, you know, understand cloud and stuff like that. And this certification certification in particular really helps them. So I, you know, I wouldn't say technical roles, it's great, but for technical adjacent roles, uh, it's really amazing. Mm -hmm. Can you get a job in cloud with this certification alone? That's always the second follow-up one there. Uh, Chris, do you think you can get a job with it? For a, for a non-technical role? Yes. Not, not if, if, if you're, if you're going in as a, like for a cloud engineering role or something like that, this is the, the stakes are too low for this one. And I think, I think like getting a job is always like playing the lottery, right? It, mm -hmm. it, there's always someone that could, but the odds are really against you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. so, but you know, for a technical role, no, it's not enough. Uh, certifications at any level should be paired with other experience. And we're not, and we say like even professional level, specialty level, doesn't matter. You can't just show up with certifications, expect to get a job. There are industries where certification does uh, equate to a certain level of skill and you will be hired for it, but it's not the same in tech and cloud, um, so, uh, so to speak. So who is this useful for? Well, we'd say the executive level who wants to uh, have broad knowledge to make strategic business decisions. Mm -hmm. I talk to CTOs and they go, yeah, um, you know, they might not be on cloud just yet. I say, go take the cloud practitioner and just have that broad knowledge so you can decide whether you want to dig in deeper or sales folk. These people love the cloud practitioner and these are the people that are getting hired with it because they yeah. just need to know enough to be dangerous uh, uh, sales-wise, but not necessarily implementation. And generally they're just trying to get you to the next person, right? Um, solution architects uh, might want to just do it as a practice to see if there's anything missing because there's so many services. And again, I'm not talking about the certification, I'm talking about the course material uh, because when you're doing the cloud practitioner, it's very easy to go extremely broad and to see the whole view 
Um, whereas as you go up the ladder for certification, you get more narrow mm -hmm. and narrow. And so, uh, you know, I always find that there's just a few things in there that you may have uh, missed. Uh, and great for first timers to cloud, it just kind of uh, breaks the ice when you're trying to get into uh, cloud computing. Uh, and so, you know, it's just one little step st uh, stepping stone that gives you confidence and stuff like that. And I like cloud engineers to have it uh, as well. So they have a good landscape um, of the cloud uh, for DevOps people. You know, it's up to you if you want to do it. But uh, if you're a cloud engineer, then maybe you might want to do that. So, so Andrew, before we move on to that, before we move on, I want to hone in on that first timers to cloud. So Adamola and Adamola, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, what about first timers? What, what about not necessarily first timers to cloud, but first timers to AWS cloud? So say somebody has a certification for Azure Fundamentals, should they still seek hmm. this certificate? Well, uh, I've made a fundamental certification for all the clouds and beyond. And um, I feel like there's a lot of transferable knowledge. Um, I think this just really has to do with confidence, right? Like for me, I always start, I mean, because I'm making courses, of course, I'm starting at the beginning, but um, I think that it can help you uh, just soften, soften your entry into any type of cloud. And you're going to cover the content anyway. So you, like, even if you're going for associates, so you might as well uh, do it. And these courses are so short. Is it necessary? No. Like if I was on AZ900 or the GCP CDL, um, I could probably skip it or just read a little bit. Like if someone gave me a cheat sheet, I could probably translate that knowledge uh, over. But, you know, it's just up to you and what you want to do. But for me, I, I always like to do it. Okay. That makes sense. Thanks. So what we'll do is move on to the uh, Solutions Architect Associate. Doesn't look like I animated these slides, but that's okay. I got a little pen here anyway. So what is the Solutions Architect Associate? Well, it's the most popular AWS certification. And this could be either be a good thing or a bad thing. I think that uh, there needs to be some adjustment there. Because I really do think they should call this the Cloud Engineer Associate. Uh, and we'll talk about that here in a moment. But it is the natural path after the cloud uh, certified cloud practitioner. Uh, if you do not know what you want to do, because it looks very similar in the sense that it's very broad, uh, but it is a little bit more focused. Uh, it's a bit like it is more technical and there is a newer one and I, I haven't sat it yet because I just moved into my new house, but I hear it's got a lot harder, uh, but I, I won't be able to confirm that until I go sit the exam. Um, and so people say, can you get a job as a solutions architect, right? If I pass this exam? And the truth is no, because the solution architect role is an advanced career role. It's not something you're just going to slip your shoes in. There might be some companies using that title um, as, as entry roles, but generally, at least what I've seen is that the solutions architect role is an advanced role. Um, and so that is a bit, uh, a bit of a mislead. And I really wish AWS would correct that by calling that the cloud engineer. Um, hmm. And uh, what do you think? Do you agree or? I, I I do. It's it's interesting because we've got the SA associate and we've got the SA pro and the well and the last time I took the SA pro was three years ago so I don't know if it's changed but the the SA pro was leagues more difficult than the than the SA associate and and moreover when when you are when you are getting into the the cloud business the the first couple of the first couple of roles that you're going to have are going to be like basic engineering roles. You're 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 going to be 
you're, you're not going to be designing, uh, you know, corporate structures from whole cloth. You're, you're going to be, you're going to be an engineer working underneath an architect. So I, I, that, that makes perfect sense. And I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about it that way, but if they change this to cloud engineer associate or cloud engineer, and then, and then made the SA pro just be SA, that would naturally be the natural evolution of the, of the way that this profession works. And yeah. when you go, oh, sorry. Yep. No, I, I definitely agree with that as well. I mean, the SA pro and sort of that caliber that they're asking you the questions on is really identify the service that does X, Y, Z, but being a solutions architect is more about connecting the services together to create solution. Right. So I definitely, yeah, it's an interesting frame. I've never heard it positioned as solution engineer. That's or cloud engineer. I think that's more. It makes more sense. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. We should, we should, we should push that Andrew next, next time we talk to the cert, the certification people. Well, you know what I want to do is I got to go set up a change.org so that people mm -hmm. can sign the petition and uh, we can take Done. it to reinvent. We'll get all the heroes to sign it. There we go. <laughs> um, and, and it's interesting cause like, if you go to other clouds, like Google, um, there are, they only have one associate and it's engineer, right? Or if you go to Azure, they don't even have a solution architect associate. It's administrator and developer. And then the only, they have a solution architect, but it's at the, they call it expert level, but expert level. And so that makes more sense where it's slotted. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, I'd like to see that change. Uh, in terms of like the course materials and the solutions architect associate, I do feel it's a bit incomplete and in that some of that information is, is left in those other associates. Uh, but it's really up to a person whether they want to go get all three or just get two of them or stuff like that. We'll talk about here in a moment. Uh, but who is this the certification useful for? Well, you know, I find that people like are you know, they're really, they're new to cloud and stuff like that. Uh, and they're not really sure what their path is. It's better to send them to the solution architect associate because it doesn't have as much hands-on. So um, it really is big picture, broader concept kind of stuff, architecting. I wish they would introduce like, you have to make an architectural diagram, but there's no way to work that into the simulator, at least with Pearson View or PSI online. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be what it is. Um, and then one thing I hear a lot is like, should I go from an associate, like if I get my essay, A, should I go right to Solution Architect Professional? Should I go complete the rest of the associates? What do I do? A uh, few different things you can do. If you haven't started the essay associate, I think it's easier to do all three at the same time. There's a lot of overlap. Uh, you'll be able to retain it better and sit them back to back the exams. Mm -hmm. um, I see a lot of people like they're just stretching their journey out for a year. Whereas if they did all three of them, they could clear them in a couple of months um, and then now go to your professional right away. Um, or, you know, it, I sometimes I tell people just, if you get your social director associate and you really want to upgrade as quick as you can, go to the professional because you're just kind of waiting water uh, or treading, treading, treading water by staying at the same level where the professional is going to push you in ways that those other associates aren't. You'll, you'll get new information, right? Going to those other associates, but the professionals engineered a different way. And there's also a question if you need it. Um, but, you know, it, we'll see then the, the roadmap coming up here, but I kind of position the, um, the, the, the developer or the sysops as something you can do in between the, uh, the solution architect associate and one of those professionals, if that's where you want to go. So, um, so that's the solution architect associate. These aren't all long. When we get to the specialties here, it'll be a little bit, uh, a little bit simpler, but 
these ones are the most popular and tread the most ground. So we've got to ask a little bit more here. So we're on to the developer. Uh, this is the second most popular associate uh, level certification. Um, I like to think that it's the harder one besides the sysops, but it really is a toss up based on what your skill level coming in. I hear a lot of people are having a hard time with the sysops one um, that don't have a networking background. And I hear people that are do have a networking background that don't have a developer background finding this one to be the hardest. It's really just up to uh, your personal background. Uh, very hands-on, I would say, uh, focused on deploying web applications. You're not building web apps, but uh, if you are a web app developer, uh, it is a really easy way to upgrade your title. Like, I feel that if you finish the developer associate, you go to your LinkedIn and you say, now I'm a cloud developer. And I think that is a uh, like one of the few where you can really upgrade really, really uh, uh, easily. Uh, Chris, Chris, or uh, like, Sean, do you feel that, do you, like, what's your opinion on the developer space? Is this your kind of jam or? It, it's it's definitely my, I mean, I so I I did it the way, uh, the, 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 the initial way that you recommended, getting all of the associates, getting that, that broad, super wide um, pool of knowledge, and then deep diving into the pro certifications. Um, I, I liked, I, I enjoyed the developer, but that was the one that I was the least comfortable with at the time because I didn't have any programming experience. Um, so, so I, I agree. It was, it was a developer associate cert, but it was, it wasn't geared towards some, somebody that needed to have a depth of programming knowledge. And I, and I was, and I was able to pass it successfully. What about you, Sean? So I actually thought in, to me, this was my easiest cert that I took. The SysOps yeah. was well, of course you would. You're, you're you're steeped in development, but yeah, I mean, I I came from a lot of infrastructure development, so um, I struggled a little bit more with the SysOps. But but yeah, I mean, it, it, that's so true. Like depending on your background, that's gonna that's gonna determine the difficulty of the first three of these here. But I, same same thing. I I, I you know, Andrew, just as you mentioned, as soon as I passed one of these, um, I started looking at the other ones and I, I, I noticed some very similar overlaps. I was just said, hey, I'm just going to go and knock this other one out real quick because or not real quick. But, you know, I was, I'm just going to I'm just going to continue on the journey and, and go to this next one um, just because I already have all this. I've already I already have all this momentum and uh, all this knowledge um, from this from my current exam that I passed that I'm just going to go and take the other two or try to get to the other two before I start losing that. So. And, and you know, one, one, one thing that I really like about the developer associate is that it really gives you a nice introduction or feeling for modern application development. Uh, so this is like a term when we're talking about working with containers or serverless stuff. Um, uh, and or microservices in particular, because you're doing lots of application integration. Sure, you're not really building out a microservice, but you are working with some of those fundamental uh, building blocks. And I think that's where everything's going. Uh, I think people are kind of stopping to use, like I, like, I don't know what the landscape is, like in terms of the numbers, but I think people don't want to just like run VMs with, you know, their apps right I, on them. I, yeah, we're 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 seeing a lot of that, especially in the VAR space. It, it, there's 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 been a big pivot away from monolithic application. You know, the 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 bend towards DevOps. We're 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 seeing a lot of that in in most places that 
that have any budget towards towards IT development. And I, I think the thing is like VMs aren't going away. It's just that we have uh, our apps containerized on top of them. So like VMs are still there. They're never going away. At least I don't believe they are. But um, you know, I think it's just like you're not deploying raw to a, a virtual machine, your application, unless you need to for some particular reason. Correct. Um, Correct. Yeah. So uh, that's the developer associate onto the sysops administrator associate. So what is it? Well, it's most people consider this the hardest associate certification. Actually, back just here for a second. There's one term here, cloud programming. Um, one thing I think that makes uh, uh, the developer associate hard for some people is that there is no primer for cloud programming. Um, and I, I, I probably have a slide somewhere in this this course here, but or this course, this uh, this uh, tech talk, but. The idea behind traditional or web application programming versus cloud programming, because a lot of people are scared when they hear the word programming. I think cloud programming is uh, easier. Uh, it's more general. It's using SDKs and things like that. Uh, but the only issue is that there isn't a resource yet. So at some point, I hope to uh, publish a course on that and everybody's happy, but we'll see. Um, going on the sysops, as I was saying, it is one of the hardest uh, associate certifications. I would say it's the least popular because my sales didn't do too, too well on it. I have to assume that's why it's not popular. <laughs> um, it's hard because it requires prerequisite of uh, computer networking knowledge or IT networking knowledge. It's unpopular because people are afraid of networking. Um, and you know, when you look at networking, you just, I always think of that like photo of a snake eating its own tail where it's like, you need to get enough information to see the picture. Um, and so, you know, as long as you have a course that has a primer, most people making uh, ABA certifications are kind of having some kind of primer in there. So you should be able to get through it. Focuses on infrastructure life cycles or, you know, cloud workloads. Uh, does it require programming skills? Number one thing people ask. Well, it requires scripting, not programming per se. Um, do I need to know IT networking to pass this exam? Well, well I, I guess you do at some point. You need to know cloud networking. Right, you need to be able to do a CIDR range uh, and kind of follow a pattern there. I still don't understand. I still don't understand all the logic to CIDR ranges, and I seem to be running production workloads somehow. And I know a lot of other CTOs are doing that as well. Um, you know, if you have the CCNA, the Cisco uh, Cloud Networking Associate, I can't remember what it stands for anymore. But if you have the CCNA, that's a that's a good one that really helps. Um, and again, you know, I said most study courses are going to help you get to the basics. I have a primer in mind. Adrian, I know, has a, a primer in his as well, because uh, mm -hmm. we, we know that's a hard, hard bit for people. Um, can I get a job uh, in DevOps as a certification? That's another very common question. Um, you know, I don't think it's enough. Um, uh, maybe like there are junior roles, but like DevOps is kind of a hard role to get into because a lot of times they want you to have hands-on experience. But that's kind of hard if you trying to get your first job. Um, but, you know, you can learn up on a few other things. I think like a Linux certification of CCNA is a good pairing with this as a prerequisite. I really, really like this book, the Unix and Linux System Administration Handbook. It's really Ooh, good. I need to get that. And uh, uh, our fellow AWS hero, Ben Whaley, Whaley, I think I'm saying it right, um, is one of the co-authors of this book. It's really good. I love this book. Oh. Um, because like, uh, and if even if it's not for this, like, Knowing good Linux networking will uh, play into into cloud native, where networking gets a little bit more uh, hairy. Um, so, one thing I wanted to point out with this exam, I don't know if AWS is ever going to roll out more exam labs. Like that means when you take the exam, 
you it actually launches an AWS environment and you have to do a scenario. They have it for the SysOps associate. I don't know if they'll ever do it for other ones. I was surprised I didn't see it in the new solutions architect associate. I thought they were going to do it, but maybe they're on the fence about it. I, I don't know. Um, but you know, you do have to have some practical practical experience. If they did in the developer, I think people would get uh, uh, have a really hard time. But it's a soft associate. I think that's okay. Hmm. Any any thoughts or questions about the sysops administrator? Or? So my my very first certification uh, when I when I got into tech a thousand billion years ago was my CCNA. So the, the ironically, the sysops was the, was the easiest of the of the uh, exams for me. Um, but I am going to go purchase the uh, Linux and Unix system administration handbook right now because I still stink it at uh, Linux. So I, pre I appreciate the plug on that one. Um, Sean, what was your experience? Yeah, this one was a little tough. This one was definitely the hardest for me. I, I have a big background in networking. That's where I spent a lot of my career. Um, but there are other aspects of this exam, like the monitoring piece, I believe, and sort of how working with uh, querying logs and all that, that, that sort of stuff that sort of got me or was challenging. Um, I can't recall exactly. It's, it's, it's been a few years since I took the sysops because um, of the recertification that passing the DevOps engineer allows. Mm. So um, I don't recall exactly my experience, but I do remember it was, you know, the harder one. And I too, like Chris, I'm going to pick up that Unix book because or that Linux book that is always looking for more references on that nice yeah, yeah and uh you know the sysop uh, sysops administrator um you know for me it was uh, you know I didn't I don't think it was that hard for me but you know there was uh, a lot of frustration when I first used AWS about networking right I just didn't understand like why do we need to set up our own virtual virtual network when I could just you know, launch a virtual machine. I, I couldn't make sense of it. That was my largest barrier for years going over to AWS because, you know, when you when you're used to doing something with a with a few VMs and something really simple like with the Nginx load balancer, you're like, why do I need this stuff? But, hmm. um, you know, right. um, to me now it now it just makes sense. Um, I, I think this is a really good one, and uh, you know, I hope more people take the sysops administrator. But, you know, people need to do what they want to do for themselves. Uh, so does the SysOps administrator, because it has um, hands-on labs, is that still offered through Pearson or PSI, or is that a different? Uh, last time I did it, it was part of the experience. I can't remember which provider I used. I usually use PSI online. Okay. Interesting. So I'm going to be sitting all these again. And... Uh, uh, actually, people don't know, but I actually have to fail the exams because if, if I pass them, I can't take them again. I have this problem with the Google Cloud Digital Leader. I passed it and then they updated on me and I'm just like, I'm like counting the day. I'm trying to get anyone. I'm like, hey, go sit this exam for me. Tell me, tell me what's changed. It's very frustrating. But um, so you, um, you deliberately throw the exams? I have to because then I can't sit them again. Oh, dude, I, 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 I'm, I hate taking exams and I stress and sweat and, and freak out every time I go in there. So you, if, if I had the luxury of knowing that I just had to throw it, that would be so much fun. <laughs> well, it's hard because you have to like not pass. Do you know what I mean? Like if you've done it a lot of times, like you know what the right answer is. You're like, oh, did I score too many? And then I'll go back to the beginning and I'll go and check ones I know are wrong. 
But I'm just like, if if there was, and I know they say they're proctored, but if somebody was watching me, they're like, what does this person do? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? So that's funny. So so like you know, I did the the KCNA, and um, I like I almost passed it, and I have a second one. I'm like, I'm not taking it a second time because I I, I don't want to accidentally pass it. So it's just hmm. how it goes. But I, I I hold a few because I have to, otherwise I can't get into the Adibus Lounge. So. Um, and you think they'd just let me in, but no, no, you have to, you do, have to, do you know up. who I am? Yeah. <laughs> they don't, they don't care. They don't. Uh, onto the solutions arch architect professional. Um, people say this is the hardest exam and it's not because the questions are difficult. I mean, like, I guess it, it's harder than the associates, but it's just the time constraint. It's still, it still is like this where it's just like super verbose. Uh, very hard to uh, parse that information. It's really hard for me because I'm dyslexic, right? Um, but you know, if you practice it, yeah. Oh, I'm super dyslexic. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, it just requires a lot of practice in recognizing patterns. Uh, and so, like for when I take this, uh, take this, my strategy was to always, if I see any words, like I have to visually make them into initialisms, right? So. Uh, or, or I'll see a, like, if you take the exam enough, you'll, you'll notice a pattern. Like, it's like, almost like they copy paste them. And so I'll, I'll just like, it's like a symbol, you know what I mean? Like a symbol represents the whole thing. And that way I can figure out what actually matters in the question. Um, but you know, failing this exam is quite common, you know, even people that have taken it before and passed, they might sit it again and then fail. Um, it's just, it's just the nature of the exam. Um, multi, there's multiple correct answers, but you have to choose the most right answer. Uh, there's some, I, I have a slide somewhere else, but there's one where it's like, uh, two questions. Uh, it's like two, two are a horse. One's, one's a zebra and the other one is an elephant. So the elephant means there's always a question that's very obvious. That's the wrong answer. Zebra, it, it, the question is kind of exotic. So it's probably not the right answer. And there's two horses and one horse is the better horse. Um, but I don't seem to have that graphic here today. Um, the, the thing with the architect professional, we're talking multi-count, multi-layer stuff. Um, and you know, if you start building real world projects and thinking about what companies need, you run into this stuff right away. Like if you just make two AWS accounts and, and try to put things in between them, like this exam becomes so much easier. Um, we're looking at high availability, disaster recovery, performance optimization, cost management, general security, migration governance. Um, you'll... You really need to spend a lot of time reading. Uh, so I hope you like uh, watching and reading a lot of stuff. Database documentation, extremely useful. Watching deep dives are super, super good. Chris and Sean, have you ever used deep dives for studying? I have not, no. So, I have. Re and, well, reinvent, like going back and watching reinvent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, the, the reinvent deep dives. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. Absolutely, I have. Yeah. Those are fantastic. And and every single practice exam you can get your hand on every every single one um, is a ne uh, necessity there. But you know the thing is like I don't like recommending the professional because like for people in general because I just feel like if you're not doing consultancy you're not like a social architect or uh, like a social architect in the field maybe mm -hmm. like a like a sales architect uh, I don't I don't see the point of it like it's either like you like the challenge. Or it's specific for your job. I know a lot of folks have to get it um, because uh, not necessarily their work wants them to. Well, I guess their work wants them to, but it's like for the client, right? So they say, well, here's our solution architect and they hold their professional. 
Uh, Chris, do you have any opinions on that? Well, um, the company that Sean and I work for, we have to have X number of certifications so that we can keep our partnership with AWS. So, so we, we are con not contractually obligated, but uh, we, we soon would not have a job here if we weren't certed up. Um, so yes, uh, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, where we, we definitely need, it's, it's tough because I, I actually enjoy the, the learning process of it. And a lot of the things that I, that I got from the exam, from, from just for studying for the exams, I learned things that I wouldn't have learned just working with the customers. So like some of the corner cases and some of the extra services and things that, that I got exposed to, I would, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have run into. So, so I, I like it for, for the learning process, if that makes sense. For um, uh, like up here in Canada, we have a bunch of different cloud shops and uh, you know, there will be solution architects there and their job is to like know everything, not necessarily implement it, but like if you ask them anything, they know every switch and dial of right. it. But the right. thing is they remember it because people keep asking them. So, you know, if, if you're not in that position where people are like, what about this scenario? What about this scenario? What about this scenario? What about this scenario? You know, and I mean, there's value in everything, right? Like you take a professional, there might be stuff that you could take away from it. Um, but, you know, I would just say that don't, don't get, uh, don't get upset if you can't remember, remember all that hard work, but uh, just, just have that confidence as, as the takeaway. I always say it's like, you went, oh yeah, I was able to pass it. So therefore at some point I did know, um, I think that's kind of an important thing. Um, the other side of the coin there is the DevOps engineer professional. I really like this exam. I love this exam because it's just, for me, it's fun. Um, and it's, it, it's like the sysops administrator, but with more automation, scaling, monitoring, logging, uh, I don't know. I just, I just like it. Um, and it really like solution architect associate professional to the solution architect associate, like they're similar, but I feel like the sysops administrator professional or uh, sorry, sysops administrator associate and the DevOps engineer professional really are basically this, like very similar, except it goes uh, like adds a bit more automation. Um, and so, you know, if you are doing a DevOps path, this is something I strongly recommend as a DevOps engineer professional. I, again, I just like the certification and I don't feel like it's tricky. Like you're not running out of time. It's, it's a serious challenge. Um, uh, whereas the other one, it just kind of feels like, you know, you're, you're playing against the clock there. Um, but yeah, that's the DevOps engineer professional, the security one. The thing I say about the security that people come to this um, is that it's like DevSecOps. So it's the automation of security within AWS. It's working uh, with a lot of AWS services. The issue though is that in the industry, a lot of companies are using third-party uh, tools because either the, I mean, they're getting better, but uh, the AWS cloud services uh, aren't enough or they don't do the things they need to do or people have workloads in more than one place. Um, so it's just, you know, in that lot of cases, it's not enough. Uh, I wouldn't consider yourself a security expert if you took the certification. There's, you take the CCS, uh, CCSK is a good one. Um, but again, it's DevSecOps, which is just one area of uh, security. The uh, AWS secure, uh, Certified Advanced Networking special, uh, Specialty, I find it hard. Maybe for other people that are used to working in data centers and stuff, it's not as hard, but I don't like this. I don't like this one. Um, if you haven't worked in traditional IT, they're going to have a hard time. 
Um, I like to describe it as eating glass, <laughs> doing uh, doing hybrid uh, uh, hybrid cloud networking. And so for this one, I'm just like Adrian, uh, take care of this one. Adrian has an excellent course. I mean, he has great courses overall for AWS, but this one I think he shines the most. Um, and so you know, I think that uh, if you need it, uh, go take it there. And uh, he liked the meme, so that's why I, I put it in there. That's so true too, because you know. If you are familiar with networking, if you worked in networking, you're used to highly theoretical scenarios. Mm -hmm. I mean, the CCNA is a lot of it is super theory based when you're learning about spanning tree and all of that. And then when you get to this course, like there's a lot of things you can do to get your hands on it, but there's a lot of things you can't, right? Like the whole direct connect, unless you have a data center that has a direct connect, like you're not, or you've done it before. You know that's just all theory. So you have that's that's definitely very challenging for this one. Um, quick quick answer uh, question from the audience. Um, my question to the panel: Post certification, uh, you know several services. You did labs. How do you sell yourself to convince the recruiter and tech team, especially when they see that you were certified? Uh, they they uh, they deep dive in infrastructure as code. Well, I mean, I guess they might say like, you know, like they might be, you know, some interviews they'll go and they'll ask a lot of detailed questions as, as a validator. But I mean, if you're trying to get the, um, I think what really helps is that if you, sorry, I'm just watching questions and answers uh, move around there. That's why I'm getting a bit flustered. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I, it's, I, I love the experience. I just, uh, I haven't experienced that in uh, Zoom before, but um, uh, I have this later in, in the presentation here, but I talk about your cloud identity. I think that if you kind of um, uh, narrow down what you want to be, like your title, your specialty, like your technical specialty, your uh, technical vertical, stuff like that, um, it's going to uh, make it easier to attract the right people about the knowledge that you do have. Whereas if you're um, trying to apply for things uh, and you're not weak in those areas, it's going to be an issue. So I think you just kind of have to help uh, uh, narrow down the feed uh, for that kind of stuff. Uh, in terms of kind of proving the knowledge um, at the time of, well, you just have to do the work. Um, so like you have to actually build a project uh, and get that hands-on experience um, because a lot of times it's the problem. It's like all, all certification uh, shows is and we have again later in the in the presentation here is that you're good at studying right you're good at studying you're good at learning uh you stick to a goal and stuff like that uh, and that's just one piece of the puzzle to help you get a job um, but we'll we'll cover it uh because you guys we still got a lot of slides here so we'll get to it here so it'll get answered a bit better here in a moment um the machine learning certification um uh, actually, I, I made this. I made this course. I haven't released it. I don't know why, but I just ha haven't had time to record it. I have a full course ready to go for this one. Um, but uh, this one, it, you need to actually have ML knowledge. Um, like you have to, like AWS has a bunch of pre-built algorithms, and you have to know conceptual knowledge to help you, like ML knowledge, to uh, select the right uh, solution. But it's not really about building ML models, more so that it's ML ops. So like, you know, so the security was DevSecOps. Well, the machine learning one is ML ops. And so you might think, well, after I do, uh, after I do the solution architect associate, I'd go do the ML, but it's really the other way. It's like you do the sysops and the developer uh, or the uh, DevOps professional, and then you do the ML. Um, 
And so, you know, if you are good at DevOps, it's not that hard as a leap. The hardest thing is having a, a machine learning primer. Um, and uh, that's that's the big struggle there. And so people think it's really hard. There's no AI service uh, services uh, focused in this exam. It's mostly SageMaker. Um, this is a bit different if you are over in Azure because they, and their AI engineer, they do ML and AI, and then they split those two up into specialty certs, one for AI engineer, and then one for um, ML engineer, whatever it's called. Um, but, you know, I, it's an interesting cert. Uh, I think it's the hardest machine learning specialty certification just because there's a lot uh, to learn in order to be able to answer the questions. But, um, yeah, that's that one there. Uh, Sean or Chris, have you sat this one yet? Or I have not. I have, I have no opinion on this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got this one. Um, I actually just let it lapse just because uh, of time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was it was definitely definitely to me it was definitely the most challenging just because I don't have background in ML. Um, and you know, I, I love the ninety nine point nine nine percent SageMaker because it's true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's mostly it's mostly SageMaker and. Um, and a lot of it is knowing things outside, like in the AIML space. Like you have to know area under the curve, area under the operate receive receiver operating curve. You have to know like confusion matrices and how to read them. Um, so it, it definitely is more outside the realm of AWS. Well, I shouldn't say more, but there's a lot of questions that are outside the realm of AWS. And the ones that are inside the realm are, yeah, 99.99% all SageMaker. That's a really important service to know for this one. I, 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 the reason I made this course is because one of my companies needed an ML pipeline. They had um, some data scientists that, from Waterloo. It was interesting because these data scientists, they can't deploy their pipelines, but they can come up with the models. Uh, and so it's really interesting to be able to uh, uh, fulfill that part without having to actually build models um, it's, it's just like moving giants. I don't know. It's, 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 it's interesting, but I, I do like the certification, but, uh, I just got to release the course here and, and make it available to more people. Um, nice. database specialty, it's about databases. Um, this used, there used to be the big data certification. It was split it from the databases or to databases and data analytics, uh, it's about databases. Great for data engineers, pretty straightforward. Data analytics, um, you know, analyzing data, moving data around. It's another data engineer thing. You know, it's just, I don't, I don't know. Do you feel like they should have split this? Do you think there's a benefit to having data analytics and databases? Maybe we're covering more information. Sean has more of an opinion on this than I do. Did you take that data analytics, Sean? Uh, not the new one. I actually am going to take that coming up in November because my I have the big data uh, one. But yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, most people do both. You know what I mean? They'll they'll just do both anyway. So it's kind of like I feel like this one goes hand in, like is more supportive of and and is more like if we were to have a Venn diagram, it would mm -hmm. be this over the machine learning because this is all about the ingestion phase and like the how you get the data in how you clean the data prior to the ml part of it so the database one was interesting to me because yeah um but but i see sort of that distinction 
when I look at it, like this is more for the ingestion and cleansing of data and a little bit of the analytics prior to the ML, you know, and then the ML takes it from there. In, uh, in Toronto, there's, you've got a lot of data stuff going on there. And so, um, you know, I talked to my folks there and they're just like, why'd they split it? You know, but, um, it, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, it's good for me cause I'll make more money even though my courses are free. So I don't know how that works, but, uh, it's all good. Um, this is the latest one. It was certified SAP. Uh, I have not done anything with this one. Mm. Um, I kind of understand it. So like ERP, there's that database. It's a, what a columnar database. I don't know. Do either of you know anything about SAP? Do you ever touch SAP? <laughs> no. No? No. I've no. deployed SAP on AWS for a customer, but only on EC2. I would, yeah, no. I, I feel like people are really like mad about this one because they just wanted a serverless certification. They got this, <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's whatever. That's what we got. Um, putting it kind of in a roadmap. I got some lines here. I got some titles. Uh, honestly, I could write squiggly lines in all different directions all day long. And if you watch enough of my videos, you'll see so many variations of this because it's just here to give you ideas of a path because people always want to know where to go. Um, but, you know, even though we have all these here, like some people, they go social architect, social and they go straight to, uh, they'll go straight to machine learning or whatever. But, um, you know, I do have a lot of paths and just it's just ideas to help you pick your own kind of path here. And so I have a bunch and I kind of map them with roles. I probably could add like three more pages on this, but let's go look at some. Let's talk about cloud engineer and just kind of describe the roles. And again, our industry is weird because, you know, I'll describe a cloud engineer, but then you'll read, um, you'll go read uh, uh, job postings and they'll call it a solution architect, right? Um, and so I've normalized it from what I think it should be, but that doesn't necessarily mean the people that are posting the jobs are agreeing with me. So bear in mind, okay? Um, so the first is cloud engineer. So this involves the same responsibilities as a web developer, but with greater emphasis on making cloud services. Cloud engineers are focused more on implementation details of a developer solution rather than an infrastructure solution. I guess a better description, I should have updated that, but you know, I kind of feel like a cloud engineer is a junior solutions architect. So solutions architect's like, hey, I've architected this sweet thing. Now go do it, cloud engineer. <laughs> yep. Or if you're a small company, then... I guess you could be the cloud engineer that does both, or if you're a small company, you could be the solution architect that does both the architectural stuff and the implementation. Um, and a path here, and yeah, I know they're the old ones. I just didn't feel like going through and updating all the, the badges. There's just too many of them. Um, but this one is, this is supposed to be developer. That's why my description makes no sense. This is supposed to say cloud developer, because look, it says cloud practitioner developer, and then sysops administrator. So if you're the developer, sorry developer. That description made no sense when I was reading it. There we go. It's fixed. Then that would make more sense there. Okay. Maybe we'll hit the cloud developer that's swapped around. I don't know. Uh, junior DevOps engineer. I like to, I put like DevOps engineer. I put the word junior in front of it. Um, you know, people sometimes call this system administrator. There's a few other titles for it. Maybe you're just an administrator, uh, cloud support engineer, but you are responsible for reacting to incidences that occur. So your job is that they're going to wake you up in the middle of the night to go uh, fix stuff. You're on duty. Um, but usually this is the path to DevOps engineer. 
And so here you might take this cloud partitioner and you go take the sysops administrator, uh, cloud security engineer. So this is focused on the overall security of cloud infrastructure. It's with a deep understanding of services that is important to be able to determine and prevent security threats. So if we're just using AWS, AWS certs, we're, we're taking this path. Um, I don't like this too much because like, I think of this as like your DevSecOps engineer. Some people DevSecOps call themselves cloud security engineers, but I kind of feel that they're separate roles. Um, I would probably throw in other certifications in here and other resources here, but I'm trying to stay with just AWS stuff here today. Uh, we got your DevOps engineer. So if you never, if you, if no one sold you, DevOps stands for Developer Operations. Uh, and the role, the role is similar to the SysOps administrator, but hopefully you're not being woken up in the middle of the night. You probably have junior DevOps people that have to do that. But your job is not to be reactive, but to be proactive. You are automating infrastructure. Um, to help uh, minimize infrastructure costs or other things like that. And so here it looks a lot like the junior DevOps engineer, but you'll take that professional uh, DevOps engineer after that. If you want to go farther, you could take the advanced networking, but it's going to really be dependent on your scenario. SRE, Google Cloud, or Google in particular, has highly popularized this term. Um, uh, and it's starting to take over, like it's starting to beat out DevOps. Like when you search terms for like roles, SRE mm -hmm. is uh, becoming more popular. So don't be surprised if I start using the term SRE a lot more. Uh, and this it's the new silver bullet that's going to save everybody once again. Uh, the I think what comes after is cloud platform engineer. Platform engineer is the next <laughs> step. No, really. Like I think that the one after that is platform engineer. And I knew it at one point. I can't remember what it means, but it's like platform engineer, engineers. Um, um, so instead of building internal tools you're building the platform to vendor tools that they use i i can't remember um <laughs> i don't know it's it's whatever I, you just gotta keep up with it the sre role focuses on implementing strategies like disaster recovery fault tolerance high availability uh boost performance of developers on their team and if, if infrastructure itself if you want to know more about sre google has a bunch of free uh books on their website uh to make you use google cloud um, that role here, we could be DevOps engineer database is a good one to add there. Um, yeah, monitoring is, is a big role of SREs. So knowing, knowing, being able to go there and write your queries and get your data, uh, data out of it, use Prometheus, things like that. Data engineer, it's knowing about how to move and store data. Uh, having some ML knowledge is great. Knowing databases, messaging systems like that. So maybe you're getting the database one, the machine learning one. I wouldn't put data analytics in there. You could if you want. DevSecOps engineer, very similar to uh, security engineer, but I have Dev, DevOps engineer here as well. Maybe you're going for cloud engineer. It looks like the DevOps one, but you're adding the advanced networking. So I could do this all day, just doing variations for you. But you know, just choose the path that you feel is best for you. Or if you want to prescribe one of these to help you out, then you know, go ahead and use that. Any roles that uh, you fellows think that uh, is worth people looking at or... All of them. <laughs> all of them. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. All of it, them. It it it, dep it depends on you know where where their passion is where where they I mean for for me I'm I'm always like yes and so so I mean all of all of these things look fun and or exciting uh, I'm I'm not scared off by by networking but that is my weak point right now so I would I would lead. I mean, I mean the the dev the dev the the SRE or the DevSecOps engineer would be the most 
Oops. Sorry, I don't I don't know what happened there. Um, would be would be the most widely applicable, like like not not most not the most useful, but I th I think those would be the two um, most uh, the the broadest available job uh, pool would be for, for would be for those. Data engineer would be a little bit more niche, and um, cloud networking engineer would probably also be broad as well. I mean, it's it's but it, but it it, go, it goes back to what you're trying to do and what you want to do. Do you feel there's a difference between cloud architect and solution architect? Because I I can't distinguish. Like I I have wrote a whole article where I'm like, well, I don't know if cloud architect is really anything different than solution architect. But well, some people I mean, are trying to frame them as different things. A, a solution architect in in my brain is somebody that looks at the at the problem that the company is trying to fix and and regardless of whether or not it's a cloud solution or a not cloud solution or or some hybrid thereof you're you're fixing a particular problem with a larger tool set whereas a cloud architect is is looking at it through the lens of of cloud native tooling only okay so so a solution architect's a bit broader i guess i guess where that trips me up is because and then maybe this is another thing that we might advocate is that instead of AWS calling it a solution architect professional, call it a cloud, cloud, architect. cloud architect. Right, right. Because um, because they're they're not thinking about because because an SA or an EA thinks of, of a, about a much broader palette of tools for 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 much larger problems than just what AWS could fix or just what Azure could fix. So, I don't know, titles you know titles change every year. Every everybody wants to be an architect or a or an engineer without having a mechanical engineering degree. So well, we don't, don't get, I'm, we don't get rings in for the cloud, you know, <laughs> so. that's, that's true. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm just trying to click to go to the next slide here. So how AWS, how AWS certifications will help you get, oh yeah. How will AWS certifications get you a job by itself? I don't think it's, it's enough um, to obtain a cloud role. And it does not demonstrate the ability to perform the job, but the ability to select, determine, identify, describe, design, and choose. Has anyone ever seen these before? If you open up any of the exam guides, these are the terms when they have like the bullet points of things you learn. These are the things that you are achieving hmm. when you are doing the exam, because that's what you're doing. You select, describe, identify, describe, design, choose. That's it. Um, it's not go build this thing. Right, no, none of this is build. Um, and so, AWS certification validates you know something about AWS. Right? <laughs> do, do you both know this? Do you do you both know what this meme is? It's like my favorite meme ever. I don't. It, it, I, I've seen it, but uh, not just by himself. It, if, it it's something like it's like, um, I think like the the first one I saw it um, was it was about like uh, U.S. healthcare. It's like. I don't have health. I get like I don't have U.S. health like insurance or whatever. So it goes. I guess I'll die. <laughs> it's pretty morbid, but but I, I didn't want to do that because that was a bit too that was a bit too much. So, hmm. but I'll I'll say it out loud. But I won't I won't have the text there. It's a bit too much. Understood. Um, so AWS certification proves that you are capable of self study and upscaling. I like certification because I feel that it gives you a structured path of learning. It keeps you motivated. So like right now. Um, I'm trying to learn Mandarin because I think the characters are cool. Have you seen traditional oh, wow. like Chinese characters? They're so cool. Oh yeah. And 
and I think like, cause there's an HSK one exam, it gets me motivated to be like, okay, I have to achieve this, this goalpost. And I know it like, doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to communicate in Mandarin and stuff like that, but I, I just, it's a, it's something out there for me to go after and it's official. So, you know, that's how I look at certification, but, you know, I just know that it, I know something, but it doesn't mean that I can, I can do it in practice. Um, yeah, I think it also, if you already have a role, certification can help you unblock others, depending on your certification. Does that, if that makes sense. So like, for example, um, I haven't personally used Aurora's cloning feature outside of, you know, outside of a lab, but I know it works and I, it like solved the exact problem that some development teams were having and they just weren't aware of it. Was, hey, did you check out this cloning feature? Oh my gosh, that's exactly what we needed, right? So I think if you already have a role, but yeah, by itself, I agree. It's not enough to obtain it. You actually have to go out and build your resume or find something to build with the knowledge you got. We'll talk about this later in the in this uh, presentation, but something that I, like I always say, uh, like why I advocate for multi-cloud is that just knowing the selection out there, like I never knew, uh, you know, just because the space I was in, I was always working for startups, building applications, but I never realized like um, uh, that AWS never really talked about Active Directory and how important it was uh, because Active Directory is not an AWS product. So, you know, you utilize it, but they're not going to put it front and center and make sure that you know it and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, having more broad knowledge of other services than I was able to recommend stuff, or I didn't realize that what wasn't on AWS or what was best in class service other places. Uh, again, AWS is my favorite uh, provider. There's a reason why I'm an AWS community hero, but, you know, having more knowledge outside there broadly, even if I didn't know as, other than the name of it, you know, it was, it was great to have that information. Right. Uh, um, that little thing is supposed to appear later. That's fine. The animations sometimes end up in the wrong order. Talk about the Amazon Partner Network. I think Chris mentioned this, but uh, when uh, when there are companies that want to join the APN, they go through a formal process to be partnered with AWS. Being part of the APN brings in more business, supposedly. Um, it depends on you know your business and stuff like that. But for technology or consultancy companies, so they're they are advancing tiers of partnership with increasing membership fees, training certifications. So you have to have particular certifications to be able to be in that tier. So like when you go to reInvent and you see people with certain booths, you know, like the big booths, like Datadog or whatever, they're probably in, well, I don't know if there's anything beyond premier tier, I think it's the top tier. But if you want to have that, the privilege to pay to, to have the biggest booth, you have to have a, a, a certain amount of people certified in your company at that kind of stuff. So there is a bit of incentivization. Um, I, when I would go to conferences, AWS conferences, like some of the smart, uh, smaller vendors would be like, hey, Andrew, can we put you on payroll? Because I bet you have all the certifications to help them mm -hmm. maintain it, right? Because they might yeah. not have had enough people. Um, but uh, I'm just saying, don't don't expect to go to a, like, a company and expect people are just going to put you on your payroll because you have it. Um, but, uh, you know, that's kind of funny there. Um, I like to always put the story in here because I think it's really important, but you know, I had a friend in Toronto who did every single AWS certification, nicest person, friendliest smile. And they were hired by a solution architect by a well-known uh, cloud shop in Toronto. 
Uh, and their duties was to engage in pre-sales with customers, convince them to use the cloud and to show their knowledge and stuff like that. And the reason they got hired was, and this company learned their lesson, but they thought at the time, well, he had all of them. Um, this is, you know, when it was still kind of fresh, but when it came down to dealing with customers, uh, you know, they were not confident and assertive with their proposed designs with team members. They lacked clear communication emails to the customers. They lacked the ability to persuade the customers. Their time management was poor, uh, you know, and they acted too slow to produce a, a design in time to close the sales. But they had all the certifications. How, how could that go wrong? So, you know, they, they didn't have their job anymore uh, as a social architect. And so I just like to say that, um, you know, just because you can uh, do things technically does not mean that you will be able to get the job or hold on to the job or advance your job. And soft skills is something that you need to think about. And I think the only really way to do that is, um, you know, coaching, mentorship, or, uh, you know, just spending years working through a wool. I, I just know some people like they're the greatest people ever. And I, I think they're great, but it's like, they got certification, they're still not getting the job. And so I just want to put that there to say like, hey, if you're stuck, maybe this is the missing piece that nobody's telling you about. Um, uh, Chris, Sean, any, any uh, thoughts on soft skills? Oh, so many. <laughs> so many. <laughs> too, too, too many to, uh, to, to, to drag this down. Yeah, no, we, we've, both Sean and I have seen people that, that were, you know, they, they had a bunch of certs that uh, we call it in, in the VAR world, we call them paper tigers. They, they have a, a, a ton of certs and you, you, you throw them in front of a customer and they, and they just crumble. They have, they, there's, they're, they're, they, they can learn, they can soak up stuff. They test really well. Um, but when, when you try to get them to convince somebody else to do something and they, and they, and the customer either pushes back or tries to like compromise or something, there's, there's a, there's a piece that's missing. And that only comes from, you know, time in the trenches, really, you know, being, being that engineer and, and seeing 14 things fail and understanding why the 15th thing is the actual real solution. So, so it's, yeah, no, I, I have. I have far too many comments about this. I'm just going to stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, the clear communication is huge. I, I've been deeply, deeply technical for most of my career, and communication has always been my hardest part. Um, a lot because of my background of where I grew up and also just in general, I'm more nervous, especially public speaking. So like this for me is actually... This is like this podcast is kind of me facing my fear a little bit, but that's huge, right? Like being able to clearly communicate uh, technical expertise to multiple different audiences is so huge. In fact, I've recently started buying, um, I, I bought a couple books on communication and it's something I'm constantly working on sometimes more so hard, more so than the technical piece. I think that's, that's a huge piece. So if you, you know, join what are those things? Toastmasters. I haven't joined one, but I heard that those are good too. <laughs> they are. They are good. Yeah, you would like it, Sean. Toastmasters. But, but uh, every but uh, do you get a lot of drinks when you do that? Or I always just think I always just think of they have like a drink in their hand. You know. But, Cheers. Um, <laughs> a toast to you. I'm a master to of toasting. <laughs> um, uh, 
And, you know, like the reason I like to show this example, and I always do this around the solution architect is go back there and say, you know, that's why the solution architect is, is a harder more or more uh, senior role. But I think there's a, a flip side to that is that if you already have those soft skills somewhere else, and you're coming to cloud, maybe you're not as strong in cloud, you might dominate other technical people. So it's just, it's kind of an interesting thing. And, you know, even if you have like a, you know, a, uh, you know, a, a communication disability, there's always ways to work around it. Like, I, again, I'm dyslexic. And that also ties into the way I, I speak and stuff like that. But the way I, I show my skills is I make courses, right? I, I demonstrate it. So, you know, if I talk to CTL and they go, Andrew, tell me about, uh, it's like, I'll, I'll say like, they're like, oh, we're going to use CosmoDB for Mongo, like for MongoDB. And I say, oh, I use CosmoDB. It's not, I wouldn't recommend they go, why? Give me all the points why. And I'm like, I don't know. I just know because I have the experience. And they go, oh, okay. Hmm. But then they come back and they they go look up like Cosmo DB course. And then they're watching all my videos and they go, oh, I guess Andrew must know it, right? So there's there's always ways to work around a problem, but um, you know, you have to figure out what works for you. But uh yeah, you know, seek mentorship or coaching. I used to have coaches like when I was younger, I used to build websites for uh they're all women and they were all in uh, technical, like enterprise technical uh, stuff. And so I got a lot of coaching early and I'm very thankful for it. And I think it's worth the, the money and time. Uh, so find a coach for you if you can, or maybe Toastmasters. That's kind of like having uh, peer coaches with you, right? Because then everyone else is trying to develop their skills together. So kind of like group coaching. Um, talking about your learning path, there are many learning providers and the resources to get IBA certified. So you may need to mix and match to find the right combination for you. I believed when I first started to do this, I said, I can make the, the one solution that everybody uses. You know what I mean? You, everyone thinks they can beat everybody else. But what I realized over time was that learning is more about like building your own hot dog, right? So, you know, you know, and, and it's not necessarily that you can't eat the hot dog on its own. You can't just have a ketchup, but maybe you just want it a certain way. And every provider, uh, learning provider, content creator provides kind of a different flair, different things. And it's really up to you to pick what's going to work for you. So if you don't use me as your as your learning provider, I don't care. I'm just happy that you made your own hot dog and you ate it, okay? Um, and there are a bunch of different providers. And so you know, just recently I went through and I made sure all these prices were right and stuff like that and to see what's going on. And so you can see there's a lot of providers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it says salsa and Jack Daniels barbecue sauce. That sounds good. Um, up here, I, I'm, they probably have it other places as well, but up here in Canada, we have a thing called the whistle dog or whistler. You ever heard of a whistle dog, Chris or Sean? Whistler dog, no? I've heard of, I've no. heard of whistle pig, but not whistle dog. So, so you take a hot dog, we're off topic here. You take a hot dog, you split, you cut it down the <laughs> middle, you put a piece of bacon in it, you put a piece of cheese in it. And that, and usually it's a larger hot dog, and that's what it uh, what it makes uh, here in town. In Scriber, there's a place called the Golden Rail, and they make it so good. But uh, AW, they'll do it. It's a Canadian fast food chain that uses real cheese. They uh, they do it, and it's good. Um, but anyway, so we have a different providers here, and uh, don't mind the order. The order doesn't really mean much here. I did put Adrian at the top because he is he's doing a really good job. So I was like, I'll put you at the top, Adrian, because he works really hard on his his courses. But, you know, like just to compare his to mine, they're both great. They're just different, right? So uh, yeah. he, he's a more methodical, slower, uh, uh, like not slower, but like I'm just really fast. I'm fast and loose. Um, and he'll dot the I's on everything where I'm just like, ah, oh, this is good enough. Like when I do a follow along, 
I don't care if I make mistakes. I just kind of power through. I'm like, oh, I made a mistake. And you'll have to watch me work through my mistakes. And some people appreciate that. Other people don't. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, yeah, yeah. or like you, I put a lot of text on my slides. I don't, I don't make it as visual, like to connect the dots. I just kind of throw things on there, but I'm packing the slides because I want you to print them. Whereas Adrian is really painting a picture for you and, and, and walking you through it. So it's really going to be up to you on what's going to work for you, or you might use both, right? I, I, I can't decide for you, but like there's Adrian, there's digital cloud training. So Adrian just has uh, courses. I don't think he has practice exams. Um, digital cloud training has a bit of both and has sandboxes. John Bonzo is known for his excellent practice exams. That's all he does. I think he's starting to make courses too. I haven't looked at them, uh, but his strength has always been practice exams and they keep those uh, up to the letter, up to date. Airbus has Skill Builder. They have a free tier, but they're now charging for it, which I thought was a bit odd because I thought Airbus was going to keep it free. Um, Airbus's approach to this is to crowdsource it across all their employees. And so it's a hit or miss. Um, I would use the free content. I don't recommend the paid content. They do have a game called Cloud Quest. And the great thing about that game, I don't like the game itself, but I like the fact that there's free sandboxes in it. So if you can deal with the game and get the game out of the way and, and do the nonsense, you can get some nice sandbox for free, which some people in some countries have a hard time using a bank account to use AWS. So like they want to get certified, they can go sit the exam, they can pay for that, but they can't use AWS. Uh, and that is preventing them from getting a job. So, um, you know, consider that those sandboxes are there or pay, pay to use them somewhere else like digital cloud training or a Cloud Guru has them. CBT Nuggets might have them. I have my own platform. Um, I'm not going to talk about it too much. You, you can. I'm all my courses are uh, free to watch. So if you type in anything like AWS Solution Architect Associate, I'm going to be the first person there. So it's very easy to uh, see me there. And I'm trying to get them all free on YouTube because I'm crazy. I don't know how I make any money. It doesn't make any sense. You're insane. It doesn't make any sense. I, I don't I've, make as I've... much as other people, but I like doing it. So. I've I've noticed that you've been putting up a lot of amazing free content on mm -hmm. on YouTube recently. I'm like, are you cutting your own throat, Andrew? What are you doing? I, I mean, like, I just live in a very inexpensive place, and it's just it's how we grew up. You know, you don't you don't need to take more than you need. But uh, I think it'll work out in the end. I believe in community, and there, I got other sources, so it's not a big deal. Uh, uh, Stefan's really good. Um, uh, like, he's the dominating force on Udemy. So if you go to Udemy, you're likely to see uh, their courses uh, first. He just became um, a hero recently. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so yeah, yeah so Stefan's a hero as well. So that's that's another another reason to do it. Uh, I think his background was like data. So like he has a really good Kinesis, uh, Kinesis course. Yeah, he's um, he's really strong on the the DevOps sorry. and the developer type stuff, in my opinion. I was gonna say Kafka. I didn't mean to say Kinesis, but I'm sure that that transfers over. Yep, yep. He's got a Kafka um, too. He has some joint courses for like. Uh, data and security, uh, or not security, data and ML and stuff like that. Uh, Mike Chambers is the dominator for ML. Uh, mm -hmm. His course is pricey, but to be honest, machine learning is is like a costly thing to do. So I like I understand like making a course, I realize why there's a high price tag to it. Mm -hmm. um, it makes sense to me. Um, then there's uh, a hero. So um, uh, she has a certified cloud practitioner course on um, LinkedIn learning. She has a book out as well. I, I, I had a slide here. I don't know what happened to it, but she just recently made a book called 
Um, oh, I'm going to feel really bad. About uh, AWS name. Hero, for, uh, hold on. It's uh, 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 AWS Newbies. But that's not the name of the book, is it? She, made, oh. she did one for Banning, uh, Manning recently. Um, it's for- AWS for non-engineers. Uh, AWS for non-engineers. So like the thing with Hero is that like if you are having a hard time with cloud and you're like, you're really non-technical, uh, what she does is make mental mental models. Like I, I don't have any good examples of sale off the top of my head. It's like, but it's like, imagine a teapot, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And in the teapot, there's something like it really draws draws you into understanding cloud at a conceptual model, like in an abstract way to help you really make sense of it. Cause like a lot of these courses, they just start jumping into technical stuff and you're like, I don't know. I just kind of need to, I need some kind of uh, way of being grounded. Right. It's like, uh, what's that? What's that movie where they go into dreams inception. Right. And they have like their little token. And it's just like, I just need something to keep me like know where reality is. Cause there's too many things going on here. Um, Cloud Academy there, like they dominate for labs. Um, I think it's Scott that does that. I'm not sure if, if, if it's just Scott still doing it, but, uh, Cloud Academy, like they've always been really good about labs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wiz Labs is cheap. They're dirt cheap. Uh, they're not keeping their stuff up to date as good as they can. And, uh, yeah, a lot of it's questionable, but you know, if you need practice exams, you just want more questions. It's cheap. So it's hard to complain. Um, Bart Castle, uh, used to work at CBT Nuggets. Now he works at AWS. Uh, in the AWS training and certifications, which is a great thing. The course is by uh, Bart uh, presenting, but since he's not there anymore, that's why I don't really recommend CBT Nuggets because um, it's like, if Bart's not there, then who's updating that, right? So I don't know who's coming in to update that. But as it stands, it's not old, you know? Um, as long as it's not the SAA CO3, I think he does the, uh, he works on the other ones as well. It should be fine for now. Uh, a Cloud Guru, um, really nice experience. Um, they have a lot of a lot of tooling in there that's great. They have sandboxes that you can pay for. They're they merged with the Linux Academy, so they I think they probably have the best sandboxes um, uh, there. Um, it used to be taught by Ryan, like like just Solution Architect. Then it was, or no, sorry, Cloud Petitioner. I'm thinking of it was by Ryan. Then Kesha, Kesha is a native hero, but now mm -hmm. with Pluralsight, it's like getting all mixed. So I don't really like the the experience of the content, but it's still, you know, content's content. I don't care what you use if you if you if it works for you. But oh, one thing Acloud Guru does really well is their forms. They have really really good forms. Like you can spend so much time there, and people will tell you what's up to date. What's it's better than Reddit, the the AWS certification bundle. So you just have to decide what works for you. Um, again, I just I just care that you go ahead and and uh, finish it. I provide the most freest option, but. In some areas, you know, what you need is what you need. And if your company will pay for it, even the better. So get the most expensive thing if you can <laughs> for your company. Uh, any any suggestions there, uh, Chris or Sean? Anything I'm missing? There's always stuff. No, I, I mean, you, you nailed all of the stuff that that I have used over the course. I mean, obviously I've used your stuff and Adrian's and, and Stefan's stuff. And and uh, I mean, you you nailed it. You, you got, you you listed all of the ones that I have used or um I mean when I when I first got into it at the very beginning it was just ACG. It was, you know, Ryan mm -hmm. Ryan teaching the very first essay associate class back in the day. So that's how I got there, right? Yep, exactly. Um, <laughs> so um um and Plural site, like they don't have 
uh, all the stuff is a clock guru, but like they're now starting to pair them. Like they have other cloud courses like Terraform and Kubernetes. So they're mm. still kind of like between platforms, but we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, I think the hardest thing I have as a content creator is keeping my content fresh because when I release my courses, they're one big video and I can't just replace tiny parts of the video. And so I hear the longest time, oh, this thing changed, this thing changed. We'll talk about stale content soon. Uh, how are we doing for time? Oh, it's not midnight yet. We're fine. We're, uh, we're, we're a little over, but that's fine. We're, this is I, all good information. I didn't ask what the time limit was. I just made a lot of slides and I went, well, I'm presenting and presenting. So um, uh, if, if you all go to sleep, I'll just keep going and then I'll, I'll just wake you up to, to stop the recording. Um, <laughs> just text me later. <laughs> just text you later. It's fine. I'm kidding. Me. I'm kidding. We're good. We're good. Okay. Um, AWS Deep Dives, we mentioned it earlier. Um, these are really, really great. There's like one where they talk about like VPCs and and uh, I, like I didn't realize like they kind of like smooth the edges or like the surface, the features of it. Like there's things you don't have to worry about that if I knew more about networking, I could tell you about it, but it's, they're just so, they're so, uh, you know, uh, enthralling for me. It's like wa watching like a long documentary. Uh, they go beyond the documentation, explain the underlying infrastructure, uh, they're generally one hour in length and are essential study for professional uh, uh, certifications. So if you're struggling with a particular aid of a service, sometimes going deeper, uh, even if it's not like on the exam, it just kind of like helps paint a picture for you. It doesn't matter how old they are because it gives you kind of a snapshot of, of how AWS grew up over the years. Um, and, you know, like if you can go five, six years ago, it doesn't matter, just watch it. Um, and sometimes they update them, like there'll be updated deep dives, but like I'll watch like all the deep dives of a variation, like even if it's an updated one, because they don't always have the same information. And they'll, they might like hide information that's like the history and I, uh, that history really, really does. Another day, another billion flows. Yeah, that's a really, really good one. Billion packets. Um, it was documentation. So, uh, you know, it tells you everything you want to know. If you're wondering how I make my courses, I'm pulling the information from here. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I'm working with AWS employees and things like that, but like I read these uh, front to center, up and down, back and forth. Um, uh, AWS has the best documentations, hands down. Microsoft has interesting stuff, but cracks start to show with theirs because they're just always making too many services. But when I create lecture content, this is where it comes from. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I was just going to say a lot of times people overlook the FAQs too. Like those are so, there's so much information in the FAQs. Like even just reading that right before you take the exam could mean the difference between a point, a couple points. That's how I make my cheat sheets basically. I'm going through FAQs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause they tell you all the, like all the points, like, like the most important limits and stuff like that. Like there are pages like for limit services, but like the most important stuff is FAQs. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, am I teaching you cloud or am I just summarizing stuff for you? I don't know. Uh, cause like, that's what I do. I just, I'm just rewording things and, and making them make sense for my dyslexic brain pretty much. Um, you know, you will spend a lot of time reading this stuff, but like, I only feel that the one thing, the disadvantage of educational courses is that I'm taking you away from this. I'm saying, you don't have to read it. I've summarized it for you where. I feel that when you're actually doing the job, you actually have to go uh, dive. And so I kind of wish that I would have a section of my courses about going through the documentation. So when I do my labs and stuff, I try to always go and dig through the documentation and it puts more time in, but at least you figure out where I'm pulling stuff from. 
uh, uh, for that. So, but I would just say like, don't be afraid of the stuff. Read the manual as they say, usually a little bit more curse than I'm saying it, but there's that. Uh, white papers. Um, these are fancy PDFs. So like the Well Arctic Framework is a PDF, but now they have like a web version of it. Um, read these. Associates, not so much. Professionals, you definitely need to know that. I guess the Solution Architect Associate, you now need to know it. Um, there's six pillars in there. Yeah, read them. They're boring. <laughs> They're boring. I do summary videos on them. These are ones I don't care about if you read end to end. I think just if there's somebody does a summary, it's a bit easier. Uh, lecture content, um, just to mention this here, um, you know, my courses, everyone courses, they do this stuff, but it's easy to go on autopilot. I just want to talk about self-sabotage, like things that, you know, when you're doing this stuff, it's very easy to go on autopilot, zone out. People will put it on their TV in the background. They're like, I'm learning, right? They're not even watching it, but they, they think they've absorbed it. You need to uh, put your knowledge to the test. You need to go look up information on your own, create your own notes. I want people to print out the pages of like what I have and add their own notes. That's what I want people doing. Um, you know, I almost wish like, you know, I wish I did my courses. I wish I had fill in the blanks, like print out this page and then go to the docs and go fill it in. Um, that's something I sh I'll do. I'll do right away. Now that I say it out loud. Um, Hands-on labs, super important. Don't just, don't just watch. I call mine follow along. So I want you to follow along in your own account. Um, to get that practical practical knowledge. If you're doing that sysops associate, they expect you to be able to do it. You know, they'll give you a, a timeline. They'll like minutes. They'll say provision an RDS instance, deal with the console or the CLI. Uh, you know, don't just watch along. Do them in your own darn account. Okay. Uh, should I use sandboxes to learn? So we talked about doing them in your own account. What about doing them in somebody else's account where they uh, wrap you, they wrap you uh, in tinfoil or whatever? Uh, these are temporary AWS accounts that stage a cloud scenario to work uh, work within. I made this meme today. So I say uh, cloud sandboxes, no fear of overbilling, misconfiguration, security oversight, nothing. There's no fear, but there's but you know you need to go out there and be able to handle the real cloud, right? Um, when you're going to the job, they're not going to just, you're not going to press a button and start a lab and have step-by-step -step instructions for the job. They want you to figure it out. Um, that doesn't mean don't use sandboxes. I think sandboxes are great. Um, I, I like it for muscle memory. I go through them just to kind of get the, like, to know where I am in cloud providers, especially GCP, because I'm always, see, it's not hard, but I just get mixed up on that one because it's my weakest cloud. Uh, to get acclimated to new cloud concepts, going through the motions, getting confidence. Don't worry about billing right away. Um, I, I like to say sandboxes are like is like bowling with bumper lanes. Does not make one a cloud engineer. You got to spend time in the gutter. Experiencing pain is the fastest way to accelerate your your cloud skills. Do you, do you folks like uh, sandboxes? Oh, absolutely. I, I am. So we're fortunate. We we actually get um, uh, personal accounts uh, through our company that that allow us to just play with whatever we want to. But if I if I didn't have that, like in a previous life, I, I definitely leveraged uh, quick. So Quick Labs uh, was great because we we got a bunch of free credits from them. Uh, but I, I use sandboxes all the time wherever possible because that way I don't have to worry about you know exactly what you just said in there. Um, playing with something new and then accidentally forgetting to leave it on and, and getting billed a, a, a bunch of money at the end of the month. 
Um, I, I think like where I, I see the, uh, the greatest strength for uh, sandboxes is Kubernetes. But um, yeah, when I, yeah. but when I was but weird like for Kubernetes, I found it hard to learn Kubernetes with sandboxes first. But I found it very beneficial when I wanted to expand my knowledge. Where with cloud, um, I wanted to use sandboxes right away, and then later, like then I didn't want to use sandboxes later on. So, um, but you know, figure out where it fits for you, and if you have that extra money, then then uh, do it or use use some of the free ones that is in uh, uh, Cloud Quest. Um, and other providers, like there's free ones for Kubernetes. There's free ones, like Azure has a lot of free ones hidden around in their documentation stuff, which is a bit odd, but they do. Um, this is a rule that I really like about learning um, is uh, repetition, right? And I call it the rule of three. Um, the idea is that you learn confidence by doing things in the console, right? That's just the browser through the GUI. Then you do it again with the CLI and the SDK um, pro programmatically. And then you do it at the end by automating it, maybe with CloudFormation or CDK, whatever you want. Um, and if you do it those three ways, like not just certification, but for yourself, you're going to really be able to do the job. Um, like it really just keeps it long-term memory. Um, and you can get away with doing anything in the console for the associates for professionals. It really does help to go those three levels because there's things that you won't see in the console, there's um, um, like if you do ECS, uh, there's the old experience, and the new experience. It launches you the new experience, but if you flip it to the old one, there's stuff there that isn't the new one. It doesn't make any sense. They don't, they haven't moved everything over yet, and there's stuff in the new one that isn't in the old one. But if you use the CLI, you uh, you will see all of it, right? So sometimes mm -hmm. I bet I understand servers better when I'm looking at CloudFormation because in CloudFormation you read it, you have to read every configuration option so you know all or there's components that AWS is setting up in the GUI that you didn't even know that was there like um, ECS has task sets but you don't ever see task sets in the GUI you wouldn't even know that it was there so that's the reason to see it at different perspectives um, and I don't think it's more work I mean it is more work but I don't think it's like that much of a time thing um, practice exams there's official ones unofficial ones obviously I make up unofficial ones um, for foundational, it's suggested. For associates, it's recommended. For pros, it's essential. It's normal to spend 10 to 20 hours on lecture labs uh, content and feeling you're not ready for the exam, but, you're, uh, but you are. Part of your study is to do a, a practice exam. You're not going to do the course and you're ready. That's why I don't care if a course is stale, because generally the information is there. It's the fact that the, the practice exams need to be up to date, not the the course needs to be up to date to, to a degree, but not to the level of practice exams. Um, you know, and people really uh, sabotage themselves when doing practice exams because a lot of people come into my platform because I have all tracking. I can see what people are doing. They'll come in and they'll they'll start a bit of a practice exam. Like they'll start like a half a practice exam. They'll come back. They'll do a bit of the course. They'll come back to the practice exams. They don't realize as soon as you see those questions for the first time, your brain is like super lazy. And mm -hmm. it will remember like the answer without the, con the, the context of the, the content, right? Because there are systems like no one's going to write this complex system to, to uh, uh, fool your, like make sure that you're not, your brain's not cheating. So you really don't want to um, uh, expose yourself to those exams if possible and treat it like you're doing the real exam and do all the questions in a go. Um, 
but yeah, there's a lot of things like leaving too much time between practice exams, leaving too much time between real exams and practice exams. You didn't do mastery. So like uh, in my system, there's, a, there's probably other systems that do this, but like the questions you got wrong, I make you do them again until you have them all right. Before you even touch a new exam, you shouldn't be doing going on to the next exam um, or you're just doing them too soon. So normal study habits. And this is what I say is like, that's why you need to do more than one. If your first attempt is 48%, that's good. People like go, oh, I, I did the whole thing and I'm, I'm doing terrible. I got 48%. I'm like, no, that's good. That's the one I want you to get. The next one, 74%. The next one, 80%, right? That's what it should look like. If you aren't getting to that 80, 90 range in the third attempt, then you might need to reach out and get some help. Um, so there's that. Content going scale. Um, eight of us is always changing the darn UI. Drives me crazy. Or they're changing graphics. Um, you know, I just shot my certified cloud practitioner and then they updated the, the, the badge. Nothing's changed in the course. They just updated it. So now it looks stale Those or on the home, the homepage, they keep mecking with the button, you know, the orange button. Now it's like rounded corners. So people go there and they just see that one thing and they think it's stale. I'll release the course. I know this when I launched my SAO3, the first thing someone's going to ask me, is it up to date? The day I release it, that's all like, I'll hear it every single time. I released the AZ204 and people said, is this up to date? And I'm like, Why yeah, I just be? released it. <laughs> what are you talking about? So, you know, when we engineer these courses and all the creators do this, we make, we have evergreen content. That's like the lecture content. Uh, and then there's lab content. That stuff goes stale faster because the UI changes. Hmm. But if you, if you put it into practice, you'll learn it. And to be honest, in the industry, you're going to deal with it. You're going to use something and then a week later, you come back to it and it's different. So you have to deal with things changing. You have to deal with it. And also the learning resources, let's say you're learning a new service and it's not in a certification course, but you're watching videos from two years ago on implementation, there's not information. That's what you're going to be stuck using to match what the new stuff is. Hmm. So you have to be able to deal with stale content. Therefore, I don't have to update my courses as often. <laughs> but um, no, but it's true. That's just how it is. Um, overstudying doesn't help you. There's people that they just, they want to get like a thousand percent in, in, in language exams, like the HSK one, you do get a final score and it's visible. People will conceive you got 90% or whatever the score is, but these, they don't tell you, it doesn't matter. The only person that sees it is you, you can see it, but like you don't forward it to people. People don't care. A pass is a pass. It doesn't matter. Right. It's not worth the extra months. It's better to go to the next level. I don't know what extracto is. That's a cool word. That's <laughs> extracto obtained a 900 plus, uh, plus score. Your time is better spent advancing to the next level, um, uh, you know, doing doing improvements. You can study all three associates, then sit them back to back. Same advice before. Um, it's just, we, we talked about this earlier. Pod journey map. This is kind of my map of learning. So I like to do foundational, then having the four blocks, then you do your associates. You have a real world project. We have rite of passage, cloud identity. Blah, blah, blah. We'll cover it right now. Um, your cloud journal. I think it's really important to document everything that you are doing when you're learning because then you can show it to somebody. Or if you can't remember, you can go read and be like, oh, look at how much I, I learned. I know I know this stuff. We call this learning in the open. So we'll give it an initialism to make it easier. We'll call it Leto. The best thing about learning in public, posting things on Twitter or, or having a post is to try to get engagement for getting critical feedback to grow your network, to help future employers discover you. Um, I've hired people on my team because I saw them making posts on dev and I went, oh, I need this person to do this thing. I'll just hire them. They made a blog post on it. That's how I used to get jobs back in the day. There's tons of ways to publish. 
Deb, Hashnode, GitHub pages, Medium, LinkedIn articles, Polywork, 100 is a cloud. I got templates for you to give you ideas on how to get set up. I have this where you like write your first stuff. There's people that have done these challenges. They didn't do 100 days. They did 200, 300, 400, 600, 700, 800, 900 days. There's people that have done that. Like they just keep going. Um, but the great thing is like you can see where you came from and you can show people. And I know people that they usually don't get their job on the 100 days. They usually get it on the 300 days, surprisingly, which makes sense because I think three years is usually the standard journey. But, um, or I guess 300 days would be a whole year, right? So if you stuck with it for the whole year, then yeah, you probably could get a job by then. Go volunteer, um, get your voice out there uh, and gain up that confidence, build those soft skills. There's lots of ways of doing it. Community builders, AWS uh, user groups. Hey, you put the plug in there. Thanks. Oh yeah. Thanks. Engage with DAs, right? Go to social media, the docs. You can, you can contribute to the docs. I used to like write up documentation. There's, uh, there's stuff there as well. Contribute to open source. There's lots of stuff to do. Just again, uh, here, just because we're low on time, I don't want to go too deep here, but I just say that there's a lot of stuff in the cloud practitioner that is not other places in the certifications. You do learn it indirectly, but it does help to take a closer examination on it. And I know senior cloud consultants where they said, ah, I don't need it, I don't need it. Uh, but then they did and they went, oh, Andrew, you're right. There were some things I didn't know about. Maybe they didn't know about Abus Inspector or Artifact or the Well Architecture tool because they didn't have to. They're just focusing on the practical things. And it was good for them to have that in their toolbox because when somebody said, oh, we need this thing, they said, oh yeah, I don't use it all the time, but I know about it. So you should go check it out. We mentioned that earlier uh, in this in this uh, video. Um, some things I wanted to suggest is that exams are very stressful. So, uh, you know, if, you, if you've never sitting an exam before, that's another reason why I tell you to take the foundation level because you learn the entire process, you know what it's gonna be like um, and you'll gain confidence. Just make sure you're not too confident when you get your certified practitioner. I know some people, they think they can like take on the world once they finished it. That meme was so funny when it first came out. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. it's, a good, it's a good meme, eh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm always, I'm always, I'm always like, I'm always uh, trying to get the next, the next good meme. Um, there are four foundational skills. There's other skills besides these, but I call these the core four. Um, and this is the stuff that you need. You need cloud programming. Like you don't need them all in this order, but at some point you do. Like you need to know configuration scripts, programming, SDKs, uh, getting container repositories. You need to know cloud networking, not necessarily like IT networking, but cloud networking, right? There's a bunch of stuff there. You need to know security identity compliance. You need to know Linux, Unix, and Windows if you're using Azure. Windows runs on AWS too, and they do a pretty good job of it and just in different ways. Um, so those are the four there. I don't put data, ML, and other stuff like that. Those are great things, uh, but you know, I feel like this is more of the general stuff that you should you should know. Build a real-world project. This is the best thing you can do when you're done your certification. Go build something. Um, and when I say build something, I don't just mean make it a, a toy app. I mean, build it like you're building a big old company or a big old solution there, because this is where you're going to find stuff that the certifications do not cover. Certification paths are easy compared to building a project. Um, you know, And a lot of times, companies are hiring people based on uh, you know, the, the friction they feel. So if you try to build, this is how I've always gotten a job. I would go build an app and uh, then I would talk about it to people and a company would be like, oh, you built the thing that's kind of similar to what we need. And we felt a lot of pain here. How'd you get over those? I'm like, oh, I just did this, this, this. I go, okay, we'll hire you, right? 
if you if you set up your infrastructure in CloudFormation, if you do a deployment pipeline, if you uh, you know you build a multi uh, front end serverless application to Lambda containers, if you start doing cross accounts, you wouldn't believe how many companies need help with cross accounts. They'd have a really <laughs> hard time with it uh, using Aurora Postgres with Lambda proxy. That's a really hard setup. People want to use serverless, but they go, I want to use serverless, but I still want to use RDS because I just I'm not ready to do DynamoDB. And so they start using Lambda proxy and they don't know how to figure it out and they give up. And you go, if you figure that out, then that's a good that's a good in for you. Provision concurrency. People go, I want to use Lambdas, but they got cold starts and I don't know much about provision concurrency. I'll wait till somebody else tells us about it, right? Or immutable infrastructure. They go, we shouldn't be messing with our infrastructure, but we don't know how to do that the right way. And so if you build a project with something like those things in mind, you are going to really open a lot of doors for you. But people don't do that for some reason because it's hard, but that's what gets you hired, the hard stuff. Uh, if you don't know where to start, Cloud Resume Challenge made by Forrest. Uh, he wasn't able to community hero or community hero, I think. But now he works at Google Cloud. Um, but he has this thing when you build a resume. To me, that's not big, a big enough app. But he even says like, hey, I'm getting you started here. You got to add stuff on yourself. And these are things, these are technical, but these are things you can add, right? If you don't know, they go build something. Um, uh, write a passage. I think that if you uh, if you get past your associates, you should go to another cloud. Go see what it's like to use Oracle, okay? Because all those complaints you have about like, oh, I don't like the database documentation. You know what I mean? There's there's just too much too much stuff there. Go there and you'll come back and you're like, oh, wow, AWS is great. <laughs> I love their docs. I love their support. I love, you know what I'm saying? You do learn Man, some you, other stuff. You had to use Oracle too. <laughs> I had to use Oracle. Oracle, oh my goodness, Oracle. Like I wanted, like there, I was doing something. I was trying to be uh, including them in and I went back to my, my account and I couldn't get into my account and they couldn't help me get back into my own account. I, like IBM Cloud, um, I, I had a PO box. And so they didn't like the fact that I had a PO box. And so they mm. kept asking for my identity and more papers and more papers. And I finally got in and they kicked me out of my account again. So I'm just like, screw these two. They're pains in the butt or, or uh, Red Hat, like, I couldn't sign up uh, at all in Canada to use their services. I was trying to show off OpenShift. I'm just like, uh, anyway. So I'm just saying, like, you wouldn't believe how good the first tier clouds are. First tiers are AWS, Google Cloud, Azure, I guess, Alibaba Cloud. It just depends on what part of the world you're living in right now. Hmm. But yeah, uh, seriously, go go check out some other stuff and come back to AWS. You'll love it. Um, cloud identity. This is somebody asked earlier, like, how do I sell myself? Well, you need to give somebody an anchor. If you say you're good at everything, you're not going to get hired. It's so hard to get hired that way. So pick a title, say you're a cloud developer, pick a vertical, like maybe you specialize in a certain type of computer, computish kind of thing. Like I'm really good at containers on, um, you know, like just good at Fargate and ECS and stuff like that. And then be like, I like to really lead into security and I really love ed tech. And that's going to really help narrow down that stuff. You go, well, then that really limits my choices. No, it doesn't. Just have multiple identities and rotate them. You know what I mean? Like every time I talk to someone, everyone goes, oh, Andrew, you're the security guy. Oh, Andrew, you're the ML guy. Oh, Andrew, you're the serverless guy. And I go, sure. Yep. And I don't, I don't bombard them with all this other stuff. Yes, I can do it. But I just kind of narrow that, that focus there so I get more opportunities. And that's something you can do. It's a bit harder on your LinkedIn profile, but just rotate it out or just have multiple resumes or or, or do a bunch of different tech talks and you'll form those little circles there and that's what people will know you for. Uh, so, you know, just 
make it easy for people, narrow it down. Uh, and I didn't know how to work this in, but I just wanted to show it because <laughs> this is my favorite meme. Um, I don't know. I just like this. I just like this meme. I'm sure it would have worked in, but I didn't have time. And we're is that for... Daniel Radcliffe? Was that? Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, but yeah, he's uh, he's having a good time there. But yeah, any questions? Uh, I think we've gotten everybody along the way as we've been going. There's nothing that hasn't been answered in the Q&A. Uh, there have been a lot of comments in the chat section uh, with agreements and the questions there have been answered. And then the back and forth with us kind of organically answered those questions. Uh, Sean, do you see anything on the tweetosphere? Uh, I have been watching and no. I don't, I, don't I, think, I, think, I think we got it all. Well. I know it's more important to get it out and recorded because I know people like to watch this stuff. Um, and so, yeah, anyone yeah, totally. that is, is watching this in the future, I, you know, I hope that there was useful information here. Of course, I'll do another one uh, next year. So if you're in the future and you're wondering if there's another one, I'm sure I will make an updated one of this. And um, uh, yeah, we, you know, we still get views on the old one, on the, oh, on the yeah. one from last year on V1. So this was V2 uh, in 2023, we'll do V3. And I'll have a hundred slides. <laughs> I probably will. We'll we'll, ha we'll have to practice first and talk really and learn how to talk really fast. I'll I'll just make it a course. I'll just and and, and you said that you you've got a, a, sore, a horse throat. You're you're feeling poorly. You, oh, you did no, great. No, no, it's my I have um a condition with my throat. It's it's a permanent condition. So I uh, I you didn't hear it, but I've been blowing into a straw. It's I do straw phonations to keep my voice strong. But really, um, yeah, I will well, ask I, you more about that at reInvent. I. Every, I was the, like, it was weird because I'm the person with the voice condition. I was the only person that ha did not have a worn out throat at the, at the conference. It was great. Um, Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Cool. Well, I, I don't think, um, Sean, uh, any, any questions from you? I, I don't, I don't see anything on my end. No, I don't have any questions, Andrew. I just wanted to thank you for, for this presentation. It was fantastic. I really enjoyed yeah. um talking with you and um oh, yeah. uh, some some folks are asking if you would be able to uh post the slides post the slides they're in the they're in the video um yeah I, I think we could figure that out um i'll just download them pdf I just you, don't know you, you can send them to me them. and i can put them on SlideShare, and then i can Excellent. i can put them in the show notes i'll take care of that okay cool all right well andrew brown once once again fantastic presentation thank you very much for for coming on um, and uh, I will see you at reInvent, and then and then we'll we'll do this again next year. Yeah, and if anybody's watching, I'm at reInvent. You can come and hang out with me. I'm super friendly. I like to meet people, uh, so just try to find me. Uh, I'm not that hard to find. And if you're in Canada, um, I'm sure I'll show up in Toronto, even though I'm far away. I I still gotta go to Toronto to do things. So I usually <laughs> kick around cloud stuff. So I'm not that hard to find. Apparently, they're going to change the the reInvent app, the app, the phone app that everybody downloads mm -hmm. uh, to to have like a find a hero section, so that, so that people can chat with us and and find us somehow. I don't think it's going to have any tracking technology, but but we'll be able to communicate with people via the app as well. well I'm I'm sure it'll always show me in the MongoDB bar, but <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly where I'm staying I, too. I, and I just just for the record, I love MongoDB. Mm -hmm. It's I, great. I, 
I, I, I do too. And I, and I love their, their, the, the bar that they set up for us. Yes. I love the bar, but I know I actually use MongoDB. I use it for a, a learning record store to, to track people's histories really uh, for, for uh, learning. But anyway, uh, I appreciate it uh, that you hosted me here today and I hope to do this again next year. Wonderful. Everybody. Uh, thanks very much for, for coming and Andrew, thank you for, for the, the wonderful information that you always provide. All right, folks, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again next week. Um, thank you all for attending, and we'll see you then.